1: Hello everybody, welcome to the third episode of Franchise Film Freaks. I'm Jack Auger with my host... Jacob Schuster. And we're here to talk about the Burton Schumacher Batman series. Um, we, uh, I think, I think overall... I don't know, Jacob, what, what did you think of these overall?
2: Um, uh, you know, I think that they're fun to watch. They're, they're certainly bright and visually stimulating. Well, I guess the Schumacher ones are and the Burton ones are in their own way. but I, I will they're not boring. They're not dull. Uh, execution varies from film to film, <laughs> you know but largely I, it's pretty entertaining and there's significantly worse things that you could spend your time doing than watching these movies.
1: So let's jump right into it. So Tim Burton did the 1989 Batman with Michael Keaton. As the Batman and Bruce Wayne, um, he had worked with comic book writer, screenwriter Sam Hamm um, to work on the story. Love a rhyming name. Yeah, Sam <laughs> Hamm. Sam Hamm. <laughs> and and he uh, and yeah and, and, and he he proposed the idea of not starting with uh, the Bruce Wayne origin story and to kind of sprinkle it in throughout. The film, um, or I guess the film series, really—it's just—but um, uh, but I thought I thought that was—I I didn't like that choice, especially when they set up the first scene of Batman to be like, "Oh, here's here's this family that's going going to get mugged," and you. We're familiar with the story of Batman, so you're expecting that to be the case. I thought that was
2: clever. I thought that was, uh, I, I enjoyed that, because I, I thought the same thing. And I think that you're supposed to think that. I think that when it comes to a franchise movie or a sequel or whatever, I think that there's always sort of, how do you relate this to the things that I already know about the franchise, and that's I, I think the thing that people know about Batman is that he is a rich guy who's an orphan, and it sets you up to do that. And, and it, a lot of this is based on my knowledge of The Dark Knight, which you know obviously is not going to be known to the audience at the time. But I think that you're, you're expecting that to be Batman, and when it's not, Batman instead saves this family, right. Yeah, I think that it's interesting. I think it's an interesting subversion of expectations. So I, uh, to me, I thought that that was clever.
1: I, I liked, I liked, I, mean, I agree with what you said. The thing that I, then in my, in my, I mean, I, again, we we grew up with, you know, the Christopher Nolan Batman. We've we know this story. We know how he becomes Batman. So we, you know, we did have that expectation. But uh, but then you don't, you can just leave it out. You know, they went back to it, like, in the middle of the film, and they were like, they showed it, There's and it was just flashbacks. like, yeah, yeah, and it was just like, if the goal is that, like, we're gonna introduce this thing, or, or kind of, you know, like, subvert what you, your imagination, um, then, then like, we already, we, for that to work, you already know what's happening, yeah, you already know what's gonna happen, so then you don't need it, I guess, yeah, that's, that's my feelings, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, so. I mean, what what were your thoughts on the on the movie as a whole? I guess, or, or you a can whole, kind of go
2: through it. Yeah, well, I th- I think that if you want a darker movie, I think that Tim Burton is a good choice. I think that dark is kind of his thing. Yeah, um, he he reins it in in this movie a little bit, and he really lets it fly in Batman Returns. But in this movie, it's it is absolutely a departure from uh, Adam West's Batman. So, uh, in, in that regard, I think that it is successful. I think that you get this pretty... Um, the, the, I think the, the main sort of artistic choice that sort of resonates throughout the movie is is it's sort of Batman as this kind of... Or, forgive me, Gotham City as this sort of big, dark, sprawling city that is kind of unforgiving and mean and cruel and dirty and grimy and smoky and it's got kind of a steampunk vibe and on top of that the people who inhabit it are it's kind of like i said unforgiving and mean and and they don't really care if you live or die and um i think that that sort of setting is you know that sort of dark um kind of kind of setting is. is a little truer to, like, what you got with the more modern comic books. And I think um, that that Tim Burton pulls that off, and I think it looks good. It's, it's uh, I believe it's CGI, um, and it looks pretty good, and, and you get a lot of really, I think, cool shots of the city that establish this sort of feeling that it's... Uh, dark and, and unforgiving and a tough place to be an orphan even if you're a billionaire
1: <laughs> I I agree I agree I, I that was the my, the thing that I liked the most about this movie in particular is I is the look of it like I thought it was uh, I mean it was visually it, it was so frankly it was off-putting at the beginning because I just had never seen this and I didn't know what to expect of like a Tim Burton. Batman, in, and I I think I went into it expecting it to be less Tim Burton-y than it was, which I don't know why I would have that expectation, but I, I, it like, it caught me off guard, and I was like, oh, here's a Danny Elfman yeah. with, like, his Danny Elfman soundtrack, that's like, like, going through these shots of, like, the city in, like, a very, how I would imagine a Tim Burton city to be. Yeah, and,
2: and uh, you know, I think that that's, Good. I think, no, yeah. I think that having... Tim Burton has, like you said, like a thing. And it's a visual style, and it is very distinctly Tim Burton. And you watch a movie... If, if I didn't know that this was Tim Burton, I could have worked it out very quickly. Right. Because, he, like I said, he has his thing, and he does that. And if you hire Tim Burton to direct your movie, that is what you are going to get. It's not unclear. It's not a surprise. So, it, it, you know, he leaned into the thing that he does, the thing that he's good at. And, and I think that it makes for an interesting interpretation of batman
1: i agree i agree it's and it's well we'll get into it when we talk about batman forever but uh but um but yeah it the the the, but the yeah i feel like i'm coming i'm like just like shitting on this already and i'm not that's okay look i'm not like trying to (laughs) we'll,
2: we'll we'll discuss some things but
1: yeah um what, did, what was your opinion on the Joker on Jack Nicholson's joker? Because um, that's introduced very quickly? I think that yeah yes.
2: so he, in this movie,
1: um,
2: Nicholson's Joker is like you, you get uh, a backstory for him. He starts out as this sort of like high level but not top mafia guy named Jack Napier. And in a you know a chemical accident gone wrong, which was actually staged by his boss, um, he becomes the Joker after he falls into a vat of acid. I think that Nicholson's performance is pretty good. I think that like he's a good Joker, and I think that his sort of zany guy thing, but it's it's a little more restrained than than like Jim Carrey does in. And actually also Tommy Lee Jones in the uh, in the later movies. But I, I think that he's good. I, I think that to be perfectly frank with you, the, it doesn't work from a writing perspective. I don't think that having the Joker be a well-known guy makes really any sense. I, I think that having the Joker, the uh, Heath Ledger Joker is written better. And I think Joaquin, Phoenix, Joaquin Phoenix's Joker is written better as well. Um because they're just—it's just some dude. In 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 the Dark Knight, of course, the Joker's backstory constantly changes, and he can't—he can't keep it straight. And then in Joaquin Phoenix's Joker, it's just some dude who nobody cares about, and that's the entire point of the movie—is that no one cares who this guy is. Right. And in this one, he's like a well-known guy; everyone would
1: know who he is. It's—he looks like Jack Nicholson just smiling. Yeah, that's that's like i mean that was throughout the whole franchise or like this whole series it's it's just um you know it's just, yeah there's it's, it's just guys that look exactly like the guys that they are and there's no there's no like in i mean i guess catwoman is the only one that's like in a suit that like her so the
2: <laughs> catwoman is, has these big eye holes like Spider Man's suit but Spider Man covers them up with that whatever and Callum it's just so you can just like see her whole face right you can see Robin's whole face you can see girl's whole face you can see Riddler's whole face two faces everyone knows who he is but yeah it's it's odd there's like a big alter ego thing
1: and uh like you said it's it's pretty clear who they all are right and and so speaking of alter egos um Michael Keaton's Batman and Bruce Wayne. I feel like in, uh, you know i've 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 gone back and forth on this as I've watched the movies because my opinions changed. Um, the more I think about it, the more I realize that ba- Michael Keaton is the superior Batman in this series um and the superior Bruce Wayne. he's he is more charismatic um, as a Bruce Wayne than he is Batman. There is like a a shift yeah. there. Um, and, and they try and set, I think,
2: Michael Keaton they they set up to be this like billionaire who is not comfortable with being a billionaire there's, there's a couple of lines of dialogue where he says I've never been in this room of my house before all this other stuff you know he's he's a normal guy who uh, he just happens to be a billionaire they kind of try and humanize him in that way I, I don't really think that makes any sense, to be honest with you. You know, he's been a billionaire from birth, but he has this sort of great perspective. I don't think that any billionaire in the world has that kind of perspective, <laughs> right. so I, I'm not really sure that that I, I buy that. Yeah. But, um, but that's sort of, you know, like I said, regardless of the way that billionaires are in real life, I, th- I think that he's reasonably charming as Bruce Wayne. I think that his sort of ditzy kind of... You know, I don't. I've never even seen this car. What I have, I own five Lamborghinis. What, <laughs> what? this is wild. You know, I, I think that he does it well. It's performed well, and I think that um, he, he's pretty good in that role. I think that as the as the you know billionaire guy, I think that um, he's reasonably charming. So I I, th- I I do think that Keaton is, is pretty good as Batman.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, but as for as for the story of Batman, I think that. You know what? It is. It is. It's really fun to look at. It's really fun to watch. I. I think that if you can get past, you know, the Michael Keaton um, being like a, like a non pretentious billionaire, right. um, you know, like a cool, like a cool. I'm just a cool yeah. elite member yeah. of society. Yeah, <laughs> and
2: it doesn't. It doesn't really address that. There's a, there's a a scene early on and it's like a big charity function, which becomes a mainstay in the series where there's a big charity thing with all of Gotham's elite and Bruce Wayne has to be there and then, you know, something happens. But, um, and I figured, you know, the scene happens and I'm like, okay, well, you know, there's going to be some statement here about class or capitalism or whatever. And what happens is... Uh, Commissioner Gordon gets a call, and Batman hears, it and then he just um, goes. It just sort of advances the plot to give Batman a reason to go be there when the Joker becomes the Joker. It, it, it's not, and like it doesn't really explore that theme very well. And I think that it's kind—I I felt like it was kind of a missed opportunity. I didn't feel like it was—it was very um, like they made the most of that scene. It, it, it feels like a lot of this this movie is like. Sort of well meaning rich people who maybe, I, I don't know, may, maybe, you know, they're doing their best and they're donating money and they're they're philanthropic, philanthropic and they're doing
1: their duty to society. Um, as, as we know rich people to be yeah. in society. Yeah, something like <laughs> <Just> that. Absolutely <laughs> selfless individuals. Sure, <laughs> yes.
2: And uh, I, I'm not exactly sure that, it, like I said, it felt like a missed opportunity. It felt like there was something to say there that did not get said. Yeah,
1: I yeah. think so. So there's that. Um,
2: y- y- what were we talking about? What what brought that on?
1: <laughs> uh, we're we're talking about uh, just Michael Keaton as as in Batman. Yeah, okay. I think. Sure.
2: <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, <laughs> but so
1: so what other notes do you or so what or what notes do you have?
2: So there's a couple. I think one thing that this movie does that's pretty successful is that there is this journalist angle where so he um, the love interest in this movie is Vicki Vale, who is a photojournalist at... Is it the Gotham Times? I don't know what the, the fake paper is called, but at the <laughs> Gotham newspaper. And there is this other journalist called Knox that she's working with. The Knox character is kind of comic relief, and he's sort of a he good was old ridiculous. boy. Yeah. He, was re- yeah. he was absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. But he's funny, and it's good. I think it works. Yeah. Um, I think that that thing is 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 interesting, and um, there there is this... This um, is it like an early version of Batman, and so you get this situation where a lot of people don't know who he is in the movie, um, and so Knox is is like obsessed with Batman, and he's writing these stories, and people are like, "You're a bozo! Why would
1: there be a bat person who fights crime? You're so stupid." I I that I loved that. Yeah, that was like I I genuinely thought that that was interesting because I thought that. Yeah, I mean, at the beginning, it starts with Batman fighting crime. So, like, I just kind of assumed it was, like, an established thing that was, like, oh, everybody knows about Batman. He's, you know, he's working. Like, I didn't realize we were going to get. I didn't realize we were starting off at, like, the beginning of, like, Batman. And then.
2: the the dialogue with those two criminals they may one of them makes a comment about i'm I'm afraid about running into this bad guy and they're like what are you talking about that's not real it's an urban legend it's not real you know and then of course batman comes and you know kicks their ass but <laughs> i think that, that that was something that i thought was kind of interesting this like urban legend idea and i feel like that sort of oral storytelling like i said urban legend type of thing kind of falls by the wayside in 2020 with phone cameras and instant communication and I think that when like all you can do is read the paper and see like a third hand account of what someone maybe said or didn't say I I thought that was interesting and I think that Batman functions well in that kind of environment and that um, it's something that detracts a little bit from a a more modern telling of Batman where, where that can't really be allowed to happen.
1: Yeah, yeah. Also, jumping back, uh, Vicky Vale works for the Gotham Gazette. Gazette. Okay. I I had to look it up because I also couldn't remember. There you go. But I like that as a name for a newspaper. Yes. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, so
2: so that's um, sort of I think the establishing elements and character. The as far as the plot goes, it's pretty light. It's mostly just. Batman interacting with Vicky Vale and their love interest, and the Joker, who also ends up liking Vicki Vale, and Batman. You know, they have these little scenes. Batman battles the Joker. Vicky Vale gets kidnapped, um, and then eventually, the Joker dies. You know, it's not it's not too like I said, it's not too heavy on plot. Yeah. Um, Joker. He he takes over. That's so. That's his initial sort of deal is that he wants to be. Uh, like the boss, the mafia boss. He wants to take over because the, the other mafia boss, um, Grissom is his name, Carl Grissom, I believe, um, tries to off him or at least get him arrested. And, of course, he survives and becomes the Joker. And so he's his main motivation is initially to try and take over his businesses, which he does almost immediately. And then he, of course, has this feud with Batman in, one in terms of just not liking Batman, but also because they're both fighting over Vicky Vale.
1: Yeah, I. Uh, so, so I think that my opinions of this movie is, are kind of perfectly summed up in this Roger, Roger Ebert um, review and and i'll I'll read this this paragraph from it it says the gotham city created in batman is one of the most distinctive and atmospheric places i've seen in the movies it's a shame something more memorable doesn't happen there batman is a triumph of design over story style over substance a great looking movie with a plot you can't care much about all of the big moments in the movie are pounded home with ear-shattering sound effects and a jackhammer-cutting style, but that just serves to underline the movie's problem, which is a curious lack of suspense and intrinsic interest.
2: Yeah, no, I think that's that's largely exactly what it is. There's right. There's plot elements that are introduced, like he said, you don't care about. There's a festival celebrating Gotham City that's supposed to be planned and it it's not it it, it's like there's supposed to be you you're supposed to care about it happening right the mayor is pushing it forward even though there's all these joker violence things going on and then it it ends up happening at the last second and nobody cares it doesn't matter and the joker of course goes there but it doesn't like i said it doesn't matter it's not really very interesting and um yeah i I don't think that it it really is is particularly meaningful there's another scene where the joker has this like chemical poisoning angle he like tries to poison the people of gotham and uh you know batman figures out how the chemicals work it's not really a process it's not really a mystery he just like Goes to the Batman computer and is like, eh, I'm gonna figure it out, and then he just figures it out, and it's like, all right, well, there you go, now we know. And it's not, it's not really a puzzle to figure out. It's not really a suspenseful thing. He just, it's just a, like a, sort of like a bump in the road that he just has to like walk over, and um, it's it doesn't really end up being very meaningful. And I think that that's like he said, that's sort of the thing that defines the movie is that it's nice to look at, but in terms of thinking about it. There's not really much to offer here, but it's you know it's still pretty good. One one the, I think the last thing to speak about in this movie um, is that the the Nolan movies are almost the Batman character is like defined by his refusal to kill people and his um, you know this code that he follows like like a samurai almost. And this Batman absolutely does not give a shit. Absolutely (laughs) no problem killing people. He shoots missiles at people. He drops people off of buildings. People explode. People get dropped into the sewers. People are dying constantly. Batman kills people left and right constantly. (laughs) He he does not care at all. It is clear that that element is not present in this movie. He does not care.
1: But I want to... So I would like to jump ahead, though. um, Because... That ends up. They try to like backtrack on that in the sh- in the Shum- Shul- Schumacher one. Yeah, Val Kilmer yeah.
2: doesn't want Robin to kill Two
1: Face. Exactly, and that was and and so I thought that that was like because it is. I mean, from the comic books too. I mean, like Batman doesn't kill people. That is his mo. Yeah. Like, yeah. and so I think it's interesting that they like established this world that Schumacher is in. You know, or, like ends up working in. It's not like that. those last two films, while they are. They don't need to be considered sequels, and they could stand alone. They are still in this universe; they're canon, I suppose. Right, right, and um, and it's just it's just an odd decision to like be like, hey, I know we've made this like this killing cool, like this cool, not afraid to murder yeah. Batman, but no, let's, no. let's 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 make him care. It. Like he regrets and, it. Yeah. He feel he feels bad.
2: We'll get into it when we <laughs> talk about those movies, but. Yeah, it's there. Very little connects those movies to to this one. Yeah, to Batman Returns.
1: Right. So moving on to Batman Returns, yeah. I was after after watching this, you know, I mean, I was underwhelmed. Like I, I, it's fine. It's, yeah. it's it's, it's, good. it's Did like, I say? right. But but I mean, like I've always heard people say like Michael Keaton's their favorite Batman or whatever. Right. Like like they're generally older people, they're people from this generation. But. uh... But so I was so I went in probably with just really high expectations. It it is a good movie. It's yeah. it's but I mean it's, it isn't a very heavy plot or any or or deep or anything like that. It, it which is what I wanted. Um so I was pretty underwhelmed and I was like, "Man, and sequels also always are bad." <laughs> so so I was not happy going into Batman Returns and I think that my low my low bar allowed me to enjoy what i believe to be a great movie i would say that batman returns is great
2: i think that this is maybe my second favorite superhero movie after dark knight really yeah i think this was was really good and i think so we we talked about how the first movie is pretty distinctly burton Mm -hmm. this movie is like Tim Burton on steroids. Yeah. It is absolutely all of the like weirdest things that Tim Burton does in his movies are here dialed up to ten. This movie is like I watching this movie, some of the penguin scenes where he's in the abandoned zoo, I was like, this could be a sequel to Nightmare Before Christmas. It is so so in your face stylistically, Tim Burton.
1: Yeah. I and and I I, I love Tim Burton there I don't think I've seen a Tim Burton movie I think my least favorite Tim Burton movie might be this prequel the prequel yeah. to that like I think that uh you know like in and, and so so when I when I got that and then it's it it's also like rich in character development no. and that's what I love that I love that in a movie I and so and it was the thing that I felt was lacking the most it 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 made you it forced you into the world of these, of the bad guys. Yeah. It, by, by minute 35, there had only been, like, maybe four, uh, I don't know how many minutes of screen time there were of Batman, but he was only in two scenes. Yeah. Well, one is Batman and one is Bruce Wayne.
2: Yes, and uh, I, I think that Tim Burton correctly identifies that, that Batman as we know him traditionally is, is not really that interesting. Yeah. He's just sort of this guy he you we we talked about him he's mostly james bond in the
1: costume right He's 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 a less interesting james bond yes
2: exactly and so this focuses on the world and on the characters and and that to me is the thing that this movie does that's more successful than anything else is that the two villains in this movie which are catwoman and penguin um are absolutely insane and they these are characters that could not exist in a christopher nolan Movie. These are characters that could not exist in a Marvel movie. They are so uniquely Tim Burton and unique to this specific vision of Gotham City. And that's the thing that makes this movie so interesting: is that uh, Danny DeVito's penguin is like a complete nutcase, but not in this zany way. He is extremely horny and (laughs) he's constantly trying to have sex with Catwoman and with a number of other characters in the movie. Um, that was off-putting, <laughs> you know. But I think like, the character is off-putting. I think every that's that like the character is grotesque in every single capacity. And I think right, he's a sexual harasser. He is uh, has this awful haircut, bizarre penguin hands. He's extremely fat and. You know, he's he's grotesque in every way, both in the way that he behaves and his physical features. And I think that, that it's off-putting, but I think it's off-putting in an artistically interesting way. Oh, for I sure. I think it's meant to be off-putting.
1: For sure, for sure.
2: And I think that Michelle Pfeiffer's Catwoman, one of the... A note that I have here is that she plays a better Joker than Jack Nicholson does. As Catwoman, <laughs> who yeah. goes completely off the deep end after um, she gets...
1: Uh, Pushed out of the pushed window. Pushed out of a window, yes, by her boss, who's played by Christopher Walken. Who which um so an interesting thing about Christ- Christopher Walk I love Christopher Walken in this. I thought Max Shrek, like, worked perfectly in this world without having been in it before. But the, the reason for his character being in there is because uh, Billy D. Williams didn't want to to do it. He was going to be he was gonna reprise his role as Harvey Dent in a major plot point of Batman Returns, or at that time, I, I think it was titled something else. Um, but you know, Batman to the second Batman film um, was going to be the the creation of, of Two Face, and uh, I guess Billy Dee Williams didn't want to do it; wasn't interested, and so they got they created a new character, and you know, didn't uh, just move, just kind of moved on from that, and um, and he. You know, I, I, I actually, do, I truthfully don't know much about um, Catwoman's, like, backstory. Um, so, I went into this pretty open. Um, sure. And I Catwoman thought...
2: appears in Dark Knight Rises.
1: And I think that her... Yeah. And
2: it's Anne Hathaway yeah. in Dark Knight Rises. And I think that that version of Catwoman as this sort of... Like, thief. Thief who, like, is, is like, kind of innocuous. Not on the same... You know, I, I think that Catwoman works with Batman a little more frequently than you see. Like, like the Joker would never do that. Right. And I think you sort of get that. Um, well, in that also, movie, she's, she's a love interest to that's, Batman. Yeah, you know, that's, like true. that's yes. A... In this movie, it's not really like that at all. Catwoman right. is not really... I, I think that Catwoman as completely off-the-wall insane is not really traditionally how she would be
1: represented in but, a comic book or in the, in the other movies. But it worked. No, it, absolutely. It worked great. And, and, and I think that she was... Uh, you know we talked about this and we'll again we'll talk about it when we get to Batman forever but um you know like the despite Danny DeVito's penguin being like grotesque and like and like obnoxiously horny and like whatever his like motives are serious his his like his he's like he's a deep guy yeah. you know and and it and it allows for uh this crazy catwoman to it works, it works, because right. you don't have two incredibly crazy, well, I mean, they're crazy, but, like, not, like, they're not zany or goofy yeah, or, you know, yeah. they're in And, and Cowwoman Cal- is sort of, I think, like,
2: uh, unwell, and she's, I, I think that there's sort of a feminist angle in terms of, because all of her sort of, the worst things that happen to her are getting taken advantage of by men, or, you know, the penguin is is basically sexually harassing her constantly and, uh, you know, she's fighting with Batman and obviously Max Schreck, her boss, tries to kill her and so I think that she, like, you know, is, is doing, like, a feminazi kill-all-men thing and I think that that's kind of a funny angle and I think that, um, that it works and I think it's an, it's uh, good for the, that this universe, you know, to yeah. have this sort of... And, and, and I think that with all villains, like with Penguin, it, it becomes more interesting when they're sort of have a point you know it's like she is constantly abused by all of the men in her life and uh it makes her life more challenging and and penguin is you know abandoned because he's so grotesque and left to fend for himself ever since he was a kid despite the fact that he
1: should have had this bruce wayne-esque billionaire upbringing right and and i think you know a thing that that makes you know the Catwoman. Like get like like anti man man thing work is that it's uh I mean she it's not like she's taking the angle of like well I'm actually going to kill every man you know she's like she's just wants to hurt those that have hurt her and that's justified and and acceptable or or at least we think it is I'm sure there are certain male groups that would (laughs) would disagree but uh, um,
2: yeah I I think I think so too her one. one thing that I think kind of doesn't work in this movie. So you said you liked the Max Trent character. I kind of don't. Um, first off, they put Tim Burton in this—not Tim Burton—Christopher Walken in this wig, and he looks like Beethoven. I, I, I had
1: the same thought. <laughs> I think it's
2: really weird. And he wears these like sort of retro clothes that, that are very gothic and sort of—it's um, like there's like a cape kind of suit that he wears. And it's like I said, it's very Beethoven. He looks like Beethoven, and I think it's weird. And then on top of that, his the character's big motivation is that he wants to build a power plant, and it, it that is never really made clear why he wants to do that because he so everyone says, Well, we have a power surplus, we don't need a power plant, and he's like, Uh, but I want to do it anyway, and so you get. There's like a one-off line of dialogue where, where um, Catwoman works out that it's not a real power plant. But other than that, it's not It's it's not clear w- what the deal is with the power plant. So I, I thought that that kind of didn't work. I thought the power plant angle was odd. And um, I, I wasn't exactly thrilled by the
1: character. I... I- I agree with the power plant stuff. I actually I had the same thought that I was like I don't I don't really understand the purpose of this once can't Woman, you know like figured out that it wasn't that. But what I did like about Max Shrek is that he is, he's the upper class billionaire per, like pretends to be the nice nice guy to the citizens, but is actually this corrupt evil guy like in right. that and and so so i liked that like i like in and, and that makes yeah. you know the penguin being going after him yeah. uh, work because because like i can go after him i can he's like i can work through this guy and um, yeah so that that i like him in relation to the penguin and that's, if there was no penguin it I yeah. would feel differently
2: that introduces one of the, i think the more interesting elements of this which is uh max Shrek gets the penguin to run for mayor of Gotham City because the mayor opposes his power plant and I think his thought is that well if I can get this guy who I control to run for mayor then I can get him to do the power plant that I want and it's it's interesting because they sort of do this media control thing where they're trying to sort of get positive coverage of the penguin even though he's a you know again a sort of a grotesque horrifying monster and they, they play on people's sympathies and they get him to be reasonably favorable. And and, and I think controlling the newspaper narrative and the, the media is, is something that's interesting. And, and they're able to create this um, positive view of the Penguin despite the fact that we know him to be this, like, again, horrifying ogre creature. And that was something that, that you know, Max Shrek takes a very sort of, direct role in and then obviously it you know the penguin it eventually has a fall from grace where it's revealed that he doesn't really um you know he doesn't really think all these things and he he's uh, sort of this you know every day, day sort of corrupt supervillain type of guy and then when that happens max shrek basically abandons him right. and that is a big reason why he's so unhappy with him
1: uh you know throughout the movie Right, I did like his death though. I thought Catwoman's, yeah. like <laughs> electrocution kiss thing was like That's pretty pretty good. Yeah, yeah. it was a uh, so so. Uh, I did have a question about that, and maybe I didn't rewatch like the ending as okay. I maybe I should have. How did she get out of that? I didn't like see that, it, or is it just implied that? Yeah. I, she she died, and then it's supposed to be the, a, like a reveal. Whatever. that. Yeah,
2: I, I don't know. Um,
1: okay. I'm not sure that it's
2: really depicted, but I think that as far as superhero movies go, it just is what it is. Yeah, yeah. One last thing I wanted to touch on. <laughs> the Penguin does this... His big scheme at the end of the movie is that he, like, has some sort of mind control, like apparatus that he can attach to the penguins at the (laughs) zoo where he lives and so he straps a mind control apparatus and one individual missile to each penguin and then he has this army of like thousands of penguins that he sends out into the streets of gotham city to shoot missiles at buildings and kill people it's so
1: bizarre but it's so funny i want to talk about the whole like moses killing the firstborn sure. kids thing, that was one of the most metal things yeah. I've ever seen in a superhero movie, and I was not expecting that to come from yeah. the Penguin. So, like at the very beginning of the movie, you get the Penguin, and
2: he's like, oh, I just want to find out who my parents are. I want to find out, you know, I was abandoned, and I'm, I'm sad, but I want to find out who my parents are and my origin, and I want to learn about myself. And Michael Keaton's ba- uh, Bruce Wayne is immediately like, I don't really buy that. Um, which is smart. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And he ends up being correct. And so that's sort of throughout the movie, you're like, what is this guy's deal? Because they do that. They do the, and he goes to the Hall of Records and he writes down a bunch of names, which we find out later to be the, the names of the firstborn sons. And um, he, he does that. And then he does the mayor thing. And it's like, well, what's this guy's deal? Where is this going? When are we going to find out, like, what, why he's doing this? Why he came up? From the sewers. And then, like you said, it all culminates in this thing where he's like, I'm going to do a mass murder of exclusively babies and little children. And because my parents were mean to me when I was a kid, and I'm not over it, and I'm just gonna do a light terrorist Holocaust mass murder. But that you do. But it would be hard to get over that. You know, his parents dumped him in a river. He has a point. (laughs) He has a right to be mad. I'm not like I said. He has a point. I think I I, I personally am opposed to the little baby Holocaust. As gen- I mean, morally, morally, I think, yeah. sure. No, it's it's not good. But,
1: <laughs> um, so so we we both. I mean, I, I loved it. I thought I was, it was great. Yeah. I think
2: that visually, it's this was great. I think that this was, like I said as overtly Tim Burton as any Tim Burton movie can be. and Like I said, Edward Scissorhands or Nightmare Before Christmas, I think both are, are in this vein. Um, and, uh, but I guess Tim Burton's thing is, is perhaps a little off-putting to people. And this movie did not gross as well. Um, as the original Batman did, despite
1: it, still being in a, a financial success. Yes,
2: it made money. The first Batman movie made about four hundred million, I think, on a one hundred million dollar budget, and this made about two hundred fifty. So it was short, and then also, um, which you can get into, Tim Burton had a little issue with the McDonald's Corporation, which led to his ouster as a as a director.
1: Right. So so basically. Uh, the movie was considered to be a little inappropriate for, for children, yeah. which you know, I mean, it's a PG-13 movie. And so it's it
2: actually it, kind of... The dialogue and a lot of the stuff that happens, it's kind of a miracle that it got down from an R, because it is overtly sexual in
1: a number of ways. That is that is true. But still, I mean, like, I've, they want to sell these toys in Happy Meals, which are not directed towards teenagers, right. you know? like Which is what this movie... Is directed towards, but I guess you know um, Warner Brothers saw that as a as a big enough deal combined with the fact that uh, it made 150 million less than, despite still being a success and in a, in a positively yeah. reviewed movie, um, and to th- oust him.
2: I think that um, I think that this is sort of a microcosm of the problem with franchises as a concept. Is that anything you do? that is artistically interesting is going to put people off, right? Yeah. You know, because your your movies that are... It's hard to make a critical and commercial success. And this movie, like I said, I think that this was better. It was more artistically ambitious. It was more interesting. I thought it, every element of it was more compelling than Batman. And, you know, the the weirdness, the things that are so strange about it are the things that I liked but are also the things that put people off. And so, basically, this movie's unique, interesting, artistic elements are the things that essentially guarantee that Batman Forever and Batman and Robin will be so bad. So it's kind of challenging because (laughs) you know this movie shows and and Batman shows that this is a financially successful concept and people will go if you make this movie, but um, it's not as financially successful as it could have been. And so... Like I said, that dooms us to get these next two Batman movies, which are one is bad and one is almost unwatchable.
1: Yeah, but bef- but before that, I wanted it, it was kind of hard to find bad reviews of Batman Returns. And I, but I found one um, also by our boy Roger Ebert, who oh, I okay. who, who I think just doesn't like Batman um, because he was unimpressed with the first one. Which which granted, we agreed with that. With this though, I I distinctly disagree with. But he goes, perhaps I would have enjoyed Batman more if the movie had been about someone else, perhaps one of those Marvel superheroes who frankly concede their personal in- inadequacies. Which I think is interesting because I don't. This was written in '92 before, like yeah. at the at the time there was like Howard the Duck, and like right. like I think like a Daredevil, um, but uh, but yeah, but not what. I think he'd be he would be upset uh, at the current Marvel structure. But he goes, I can admire the movie on many levels, but I cannot accept it as Batman. And I was disappointed that the disjointed plot advanced so unsteadily, depriving us of the luxury of really caring about the outcome. I do think that if there is a weakness to these movies, it's the writing.
2: In in fact, in all of this franchise, I would argue that the writing is not that
1: good. I the, this uh,
2: movie's plot is kind of
1: Odd, but but it I in my it, it works though or I think it works I uh, I wouldn't say that it
2: works I would say that it's not bad enough to detract for it from me Okay, but I think that like things are just sort of introduced and things happen and you're like Oh, he's running for mayor like the the mayor reveal There's absolutely nothing he the penguin just comes out of his lair one day and he just is in a campaign headquarters for him running for mayor and and it's like Oh. Okay. uh, All right. I guess, and like that's that's the plot of the movie, is like it's just like things like that. There's not really much exposition, much explanation. There's you know, and and so
1: I I do think that the the writing's a little weak. Okay. Fair enough. But speaking of weak writing, we have we have Batman Forever. Yes. Yeah. And and so so after the McDonald's Corporation uh, and Warner Brothers uh, rivaled tim burton's directorial power um they forced him to step down and uh and he still produced the movie because i guess i mean he had already had enough a role yeah i mean he was already going to produce it when he was directing it um but they replaced him they had a, a a few people they were considering sam Raimi among them um but they tim burton decided on joel schumacher um who uh who torched the vision of, yeah. <laughs> of everything? And
2: so, if, if Burton's Batman is dark and gloomy and gothic, this is a literal polar opposite, photo negative. This movie is extremely bright visually. It is glow in the dark. It is faces painted. It is, you know, it, and it, the other thing is if Tim Burton's movie is a move away from the campy sort of 1960s Batman this is, um, going not just in the opposite direction, but uh, taking Batman up to the campiest possible <laughs> levels
1: that it can possibly be. And and so, you know, like, I understand that they made a decision to do that, but it, like, still tries. It tries to, to like, have some, like, serious... Tones to it, so it's like it's not like just embracing the camp. Like what makes like the original like nineteen sixty six Batman great, in my opinion, is that it like it knows that's what it's doing and it goes towards it. Where this is like we're campy but also serious, and you can't can't, do. I mean, I guess in a way you could probably find a way to do it, but this didn't. Yeah, yeah. Joel Schumacher did not unlock that box. Yeah,
2: camp. It's it's all. It's sort of hard to gauge things that are campy because it's like to what degree is this on purpose to what you know it's like if something is bad you know how do you how do you assess something that's meant to be bad and so like you said it it there, there's campy elements and then there are things that are are not campy but are meant to be serious and so it's it, it kind of can't it doesn't really get its footing um in that regard in terms of working out whether or not it's really supposed to be campy and the, the other thing is that it's not, it's it's regardless of, of camp, you know, and in terms of uh, whether or not something is supposed to be bad, there are, in this movie and in Batman and Robin, a number of things that are just objectively badly um, executed. Yeah. In terms of writing, in terms of performance, um, in, in a number of regards, and I think that even if you're doing a camp thing, even if it's, it's not supposed to be serious, even if it's even if it's just supposed to be sort of a fun interesting you know different little take there are en- enough of this is um, is badly executed that y- you can't really forgive it and say oh well it just can't be fun it's like i said it, it a number of things in here are just just sort of outright not good
1: yeah i am um, one of the so so some some of the notes that i took on this um the lo- like it, it, kind of starts with the love interest. I feel like because I mean that's like Batman shows up on the scene and already there's this like you know d- doctor of sorts. I don't I don't exactly know what. Yeah, what she's she, a like.
2: criminal psychologist for but and they call her to she they, she acts
1: like a detective. in yeah, the Yeah, it's,
2: it's odd because she just like shows up and they're like they just call her to consult. I, I don't really know what that means. Uh, I, the the notion that you would call a you, you like have an active crime scene because because there's a crime in progress. This isn't right. even yeah. like a, a post crime scene. Two Face is in the
1: process <laughs> of robbing a bank, has killed two guards, and has another hostage. Yes, like they they made that clear. Yeah, and this this then like, they call her d- right and yeah. then she's putting the moves on Batman i mean that's...
2: It, it is not it is there it is not subtle at all the, it's the by far the most important element of this character is that she wants to have sex with batman
1: and, and it is clear from like the first line of dialogue yeah. i want to bang batman. <laughs> and she she even says about how it was like a dream of hers as like a like like it's it's so it's so insane it, but but uh even more, or uh, not even more drawing. I think that's the most drawing element of the beginning of the movie. But, um, but, but what's like? It, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm. I get frustrated by this. But the okay. the Harvey Dent, like turning into two-face. I think yeah, two-face is really quite bad. He, he's gonna be it's it's awful. And so I mean obviously they recasted Billy D Williams with Tommy Lee Jones. They recasted Michael Keaton with Val Kilmer. And and I think that those couldn't be I think those are probably the two, two of the worst choices made in like the production of this movie. And it's a movie filled with bad it's, directorial it's, and production choices.
2: Yeah, the, you know Tommy like, Lee Jones, I think is like a dark, gruff kind of guy. And Two-Face, on top of that, Two-Face is a dark character. Yeah. He's had his whole world pulled out from under him and he has given up on the notion that there is any fairness in the world and he's just completely broken as a guy and so all he can do is flip a coin and if it's heads, he murders you. And like, this version of Two-Face is basically like a mildly less zany version of, of of uh, Jim Carrey's um, Riddler. And the thing about, when I say mildly less zany, is that the Riddler is a 10, and Two-Face <laughs> is a 9. It's preposterous. It like, he, it's, and it's, you just have the exact same guy as the villain. You just have two villains who are the exact same person, and, and having, I think, a contrast would have made a lot more sense. I think it would have fit better with what Tommy Lee Jones is good at, and I think it would have been a lot more logical to have Two-Face be... A dark version of the uh, this sort of villain dynamic that we've created, which is where you have two villains, you know, and one have, is weird and one is weird in a different way. But these guys are both weird and kind of the same way, and it's um, it's it, it doesn't work at all, to be honest with you,
1: yeah. And in like, and I, I, I like Jim Carrey, I think that Jim Carrey's funny, you know, he's yeah. he, he's good at playing. That, I mean, that that guy that, exactly. Yeah, he's yeah. like as the Riddler. He's done that numerous yeah. times. No, he's Ace Ventura in this. He
2: <laughs> is the Grinch. He is he is that person that the Jim Carrey thing that you get the mask. He is that guy.
1: Yeah, and it, but but I mean, like you said, like combining that with a almost on par crazy yeah. villain. It it just it it makes it it makes it tough to watch. Yeah. Like uh, there were there were a lot of moments where they're going back and forth. That whole scene of him, like, breaking into uh, Two-Face's lair where he's got, like, half of it is, like, this, like, angel heaven thing and the other half is, like, hell. And it's, like, like, that was, it was too, I could, I hated that scene. Because I was like, I can't deal with what's happening here.
2: Them too, yeah. So, and this is where, so I think that with camp you get this kind of, um... The campus is uh, traditionally kind of included with drag culture, and and it's a lot of times it's it's very gay. Joel Schumacher is gay, and there were accusations that he made that there was some homoerotic subtext in this movie, and that scene is a little a little gay, <laughs> and that's not bad. And I, I but um, it definitely comes out there. I, I think that there is some uh, there. They like hug and they get real close, and. Um, I will say this gay batman is different it is unique it is interesting (laughs) gay batman is not what i thought i was going to get uh nipple batman big bicep batman close-up of batman's ass it is this and robins and rob and big robin bulge yes yeah no absolutely this uh like i said the the thing is that like it's interesting and i think that maybe if you don't have two-faced be that or if you have him be a different kind of guy and maybe if you lean into gay batman a little more maybe this movie ends up being interesting because i think like like i said whatever you you think about gay batman whatever you think about about camp and all of these elements that are present in this movie it's it's certainly unique it's certainly interesting and it's certainly new and like I said, I, I think that if you execute this a little better, I, I think that this could be an interesting movie to watch.
1: Yeah, and 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 you know, I mean on that same note, it w- it was fun to watch. I had the most fun watching this in Batman Returns, yeah. hands down. I would watch this over 1989 Batman. Yeah. I would watch this over that a hundred times, because because of its ridiculousness, yeah. I now know what I'm getting into. Um, where I'm not, I'm not expecting like a right. Batman Returns or something like yes. that. I, uh, it's it's watchable in a completely different way. Yeah. Um,
2: but yeah, this movie, this is not a serious movie. This no. is not a movie where there's like some sort of grand thematic thing. Um, you know, there it's it's not a serious movie,
1: and that's what makes dealing with Robin's parents' death, um, where they try to make it seri- a serious moment, um, a little challenging, very so. challenging because, yes. um, we're supposed to believe he's a teenager, it's, like yeah, like it's it's, it's it's real bad that he's supposed to be seventeen. It's not good. Yeah, and then and then you know he's. Sad that his parents died, and that's understandable, because who wouldn't? Um, That scene being... Okay, starting with a charity circus. Yeah, (laughs) so... How many charity circuses
2: have you been to? I'm going to be honest, and and I was embarrassed to admit this, I've actually never even been to one.
1: I've never seen (laughs) a single charity circus. Bruce Wayne would be so mad. Yeah, and mean, all of Gotham's yeah. charitable elite. Yeah, it just it just doesn't make
2: any sense. Because <laughs> like, you don't bid on you anything.
1: On you don't buy anything. You don't You, you don't, buy popcorn, okay? Right. All of the it popcorn sales go to, to the, <laughs> Right. Yeah, go to like abandoned trapeze. gold. Artists. Popcorn. <laughs> yeah.
2: It's, it's so odd. And Two-Face crashes the the party the charity circus and um and of course robin's parents are killed and robin is on his own an orphan and bruce wayne is like oh well this is just like me so i'm gonna i'm gonna take him in and now we can you know i can be like a father figure to this guy
1: and then he's crazy yes in um in the Bruce Wayne Manor, in yeah. the Wayne Manor, he's doing kung fu laundry. Um, yeah. You yes. know, like yeah.
2: the laundry scene is there's absolutely <laughs> insane. Like, Alfred is sitting there, and he like he's like flinging the laundry all around. To while well, he's ha- he's like hanging it up to dry when they
1: have they have a dryer <laughs> you can see it it's in the background of the scene and it's not it's not like non-dryable it's like it's, a sweat yeah it socks like yes, and he's like whipping sucks. them like nunchucks
2: <laughs> it's I, I guess you're supposed to think it's cool but like I I don't I, it it's completely bizarre and then that on
1: top of that he sneaks into the Batcave. And steals the Batmobile, and and also on that he sneaks in. It's yelling intruder alert, but at the same time revealing yeah, all it, of the gadgets. Yes. Look.
2: Intruder alert! Intruder alert! Yeah, here's the Batmobile.
1: Here's everything,
2: and here's the keys. Apparently, yes. like well, I guess it's push to start. But yeah, yeah, and he so he just he just all right. Well, I'm here, and what I'm gonna do is steal the Batmobile, and he just drives around. And he eventually goes to this, um, what can only be described as, like, glow-in-the-dark gathering of the Juggalos. And uh, he witnesses a woman who is being assaulted, and he springs into action. And the way that he gets them to stop assaulting her is that everyone laughs at him because they think, they're like, that's not Batman, that's just a kid. And so nobody, nobody takes him seriously. And uh, eventually, he does battle with the Juggalos, and he gets owned. But Batman comes and saves him.
1: Yeah, and and uh, I will I will say the the action like that fight scene good. was good. Like yeah. like yeah, in, yeah. in in the action fight scenes in this movie are good. Um, and they're or I, and I they're, they're campy. They are
2: campy, yeah. and they are in your face, and the costumes are over the top, and. Um, it's it's choreographed like a you like a Broadway musical, you know, and and like I said, and like you said, that's fine, and it's entertaining, and it's fun to watch.
1: Yeah, and it's, and it's it, just like a horrible sequel to Tim Burton's Batman. Yeah, it's like it that's just like, exactly it's, it is.
2: Like you know, I said earlier that you can watch Batman and Batman Returns and work out that it's Tim Burton in seconds and you can similarly work out that this is not Tim Burton in seconds yeah it is not it is not shy about what it is and what it is not
1: yeah and in I mean to its downfall as well like it's it's uh... a yeah. there is um,
2: yes so one I think that I was talking about the bad writing in the other movies this this movie the writing is un- unbelievably bad and one of, I think, sort of the weakest elements of this is the Riddler. So I, I think that Jim Carrey's Riddler is good. I think his performance is good. I think that it works as the zany question guy, and he's unwell the entire time. But his, uh, his big deal, his big sort of motivation is that he, he's created this sort of TV apparatus that lets you be inside of the TV. Feel like you're really in the show, but really, what it does is it like I this. transfers your IQ to him, which doesn't make any sense. It
1: doesn't make it, any sense, and it's not, and it doesn't happen. Yeah, <laughs> like, well, it, it does.
2: It does whoa. happen because he rips the thing. I guess it happens because when you blow it up at the end, he like turns into this zombified guy because he loses all his IQ or something. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. It's it's very odd. He like, but it's 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 it's. He's, like, sucking IQ from, like, children. Like, because that's, like, what it is. The people who put on the helmet are, like, little kids. And it's like, (laughs) well, now I'll know what the secrets to life that these nine-year-olds can give me. It doesn't make any sense at all. And it's unclear why he wants to use that to mess with Batman.
1: So it's... Well, well, I think... I think that that's not true. I, I think he okay. his intention was he wanted to get Bruce. He wanted to collect Bruce Wayne's IQ, like because like he but he, he, didn't, in the, he in doesn't in that gala thing. He doesn't know that Bruce Wayne is Batman until he. Right, but he did. knows Bruce Wayne's smart. Like he worked for Bruce Wayne. Like right. he was in Wayne Enterprises. Like I guess Bruce Wayne hired him personally. His name was on the job card. Right, but um, but it's like if if all he wants to do is
2: co- collect Bruce Wayne's deal specifically, his IQ then, like, why does he have to then collect all of Gotham's IQs, who we know to, like I said, to just not give him anything at all? Right. Yeah. So that, uh, you know, that's the big deal. That leads to this final confrontation with Batman and Robin going to battle um, Two-Face and uh, the Riddler because they've kidnapped, what's her name, the Nicole Kidman love interest. Uh the doctor Chase, Dr. Chase, Chase
1: Meridian, yes, Chase Meridian. So
2: they go to fight him, and then, like I, I told you before we started, there's this absolutely mind-boggling line of dialogue that Robin <laughs> delivers. Is less like, he says like, "Holy moly, Batman! Holy, it's holy rusted, holy metal. rusted metal, Batman!" <laughs> and, and, and Val Kilmer. So we haven't talked about it. but Val Kilmer is terrible in this, and he goes, Robin goes, "Holy rusted metal, Batman!" And Val Kilmer's like. Uh, <laughs> like just could not even be bothered to, to give like a like a real line, huh? like just just terrible. And then Robin just babbles about it's holes holy, and I <laughs> there, there are holes in the rusted metal. <laughs> and that's it's, why I said it <laughs> holy. And he's just like okay, <laughs> <laughs> just moves on. And to be fair, I think that's a perfectly reasonable response but, to
1: but, that bizarre uh, angle. But right was that. Was that before or after the the boat crash? I think that's after the boat okay, crash. Okay, so that is after the other ridiculous thing where Batman is flying in his airplane, um, goes past like the Bat Signal with Commissioner Gordon on the on the roof. He's my, uh, uh, yeah. miles away but he's, but he's not very, inside. you can
2: <laughs> you can barely make out the shadow of the of the, the ship yeah
1: right and and he looks it cuts to a shot of him looking out and gives commissioner yeah. gordon a big <laughs> turns thumbs up. turns directly to the camera <laughs> thumbs up just
2: <laughs> absolutely ridiculous
1: it's it's a uh, what i mean i have notes on other and horrible stuff uh, the uh there's a
2: throughout the movie Uh, Val Kilmer has these flashbacks where he's like what's going on you know and he like remembers these details of his parents death and the very first flashback he has he's with Dr. Chase Moran and um, he like has a flashback and he's like You know, sort of in shock. And Val Kilmer's expression is preposterous. It is so, so bad. He, he like is, he he looks like, um, there's a gif that's real popular. It's like a reaction gif of like a guy from Reefer Madness. And he's like, ah, like, like (laughs) basically like losing any sort of motor function. And like, that's like what it looks like. (laughs) It's so
1: bad. And it, and it was that the one that, that was the one in reaction to her like knocking the vase over right um i thought it, it's
2: possible i can't even remember i i knows.
1: think uh, yeah so that's that's that is what it was like he basically she like went to like pick up her wine glass and like they're sitting on his couch yeah. and like she accidentally knocks over this vase with like two oh, roses in it. Yes, yeah and, right, and right. so the roses fall and then it cuts to like the roses that like his like like mother that his had, mother like had in her hand reason. like when she like died like and yeah. she dropped them and like that was like this triggering event yeah. like the two and, flowers and like I you know it's it yeah it was so bad it was yeah. so bad and then his every reaction to it was bad um, and I mean more on the relationship with like Doctor Chase Meridian um, that what about that ridiculous scene. Where like she lights the bat signal for him to come, oh, yeah, and like she's yes, like just yeah. in lingerie. Yeah. And- yes,
2: yes. She somehow, yeah. So, like like we said earlier, she inexplicably <laughs> turns up in these places. She inexplicably is at the crime scenes. Inexplicably is at all of the events, and then, like you said, somehow she gets access to the bat signal. And lights the bat signal for the sole purpose of getting Batman onto the roof so that Batman will fuck her, and like <laughs> that is that is the entire that's the gig. That is why, and you do that,
1: and and you know she it's not like she has the keys. She's like Commissioner Gordon has the keys to, the, to that. That's his whole thing. Um, and but then as he's like as as uh, Batman's about to leave, he's rejected. Uh, her sexual advances in her in her full on lingerie. Yeah. Commissioner Gordon comes up and it's like, "What's the problem?" Hey, what's
2: go- I saw the signal. <laughs> yeah,
1: and then and then Batman uh is just like, "Miss dial or whatever." Yeah, false alarm. <laughs> yeah, and leaves and then uh and then it it cuts away, but I just think it's funny to imagine like like, oh, Doctor Chase Meridia, what are you doing up here in lingerie and a robe? Yeah, like, look, exactly. this is on top of the police station, is not where you should be in this getup. Yeah, like, exactly. ugh, it's so it's so ridiculous. It is bad. Um, but I have uh, I have I have some review. I have a review. It was hard to it was hard to find somebody that uh, that really likes this. Um, it was there there, but but Matt Zoller seats of the Dallas Observer, Um, he said, Unlike Burton, Schumacher doesn't let his stylistic and thematic fascinations run away with him. Which is
2: wild. This movie is so (laughs) in your face. I don't know how you could come to
1: that. (laughs) And and apparently he keeps one hand on the wheel at all times, which it doesn't seem like that. It seems like when Robin stole the Batmobile, he... Most yeah. certainly didn't have any hands on the wheels and just <laughs> full throttle. Yeah. Was, uh, yeah. The result isn't as emotionally daring and visually outrageous as Burton his best, but it's better paced and more consistently entertaining from one sequence to the next. More consistently entertaining in the sense that it's all ridiculous. It's preposterous, yeah. And 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 then on uh, so <laughs> So on uh, we were just talking about the flashback sequences. This is what he had to say in the same review about uh about the flashback. He goes, The flashback sequences to the murder of Bruce Wayne's parents are so powerful that they briefly snap us out of the fun zone and into much darker, more provocative terrain. The surreal night sweat image of an enormous bat soaring toward an orphaned child is far scarier than Two Faces' snap judgments, the Riddler's riddles, or the Joker's jokes, and a lot more dramatically interesting, which I have to admit. It's not.
2: Yeah. It's, 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 <laughs> yeah. I don't know how you, you draw right. that conclusion. And and that's sort of what we were getting at before, is that like the big failure of this movie is that it, it does that. <laughs> You're right. It, is that it doesn't lean hard enough into the fact that it's just a big joke and that it's not a serious movie that it's going to explore some sort of theme of trauma or loss or whatever, that it's just going to be a movie where bizarre weirdos fight and is vaguely homoerotic. You know? Right. That's if that's all you want your movie to be then that's fine and you execute that and then whatever but you get instead this bizarre thing like you said where it tries to say some sort of thing about loss in the human condition or whatever and you just get this just badly executed not dramatic, not compelling scene
1: well, um, Mr. Seats would disagree yeah, as he says it answers plenty of questions about the character and raises just one Why did it take three films for this series to find its footing? Goodness gracious. This movie should have been titled Batman Finally. (laughs) I just just don't understand how that's the conclusion that you drew. I just, I I simply don't get it. Yeah, I don't know. I really don't know. Um, But, uh, so, you know, Tim Burton produced that one. Uh, I guess it must have not had... A role at all as a producer, other than just his name being on it. I mean, like because I, I, there's not because any the, trace of Burton in any of this, right? Like, the like the director, it like his boss is the producer, yeah. so like I would imagine that Tim Burton would be like, no, yeah, you can't, you can't, <laughs> you can't do this stuff because it like directly like negates everything I was working towards. Um yeah. so I don't know.
2: And so I don't know that we addressed this, but you lose Michael Keaton, right? Yeah. Yeah. So
1: with Tim Burton you
2: lose Michael Keaton and you get Val Kilmer, and that's sort of one of the things that I think kind of defines this franchise as very loosey goosey with Continuity from movie to movie, you lose love interests left and right, and it's not really addressed. You get different characters or different actors playing the same character. You said that you lose Billy D. Williams and get Tommy Lee Jones. Um, on top of the fact that the character is completely different, it's again yeah, a different you, race, different guy, go- not and, even remotely similar. And, right, um, and like I said, Val Kilmer is completely obviously just a different a different guy.
1: And you and you don't also back to Harvey Dent, you don't give like a decent. Explanation of of How he uh, got here. yeah, it's like oh, he got spray, he got acid sprayed on him in a courtroom that I guess Batman was attending. That in was full costume. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's there's a, there's a
2: flashback scene where it shows um, Harvey Dent getting splashed, and like you said, Batman jumps from like the witness stand. That, in, not for the witness. It was from like from the, the background. The, yeah, yeah. In full, in full Batman costume, he's just sitting at the trial <laughs> in his outfit. It's absolutely insane!
1: <laughs> oh my god. Uh, um. Yeah. Yeah. So so with that, so I think I think this is a we've talked enough about. Batman yeah, yeah. this is a safe time to transition to uh, to Batman and Robin. Um, so and Tim Burton's out. It's Joel Schumacher's at the helm here.
2: And I think uh, you know we talked about how this Tim Burton sequel allows Tim Burton to go full Tim Burton. And I don't know what full Joel Schumacher is, but I assume that it's this. <laughs> this is all of the things that were bad about that movie. Again, turned to eleven, just extraordinarily in your face, bright, colorful, um, campy, bizarre, and but campy bad. This is can't yeah, be bad. This is not like campy good. Badly executed in every single
1: way. I I don't I don't really have a lot to say about Batman and Robin. Yeah. Um, but but so i mean but but there were some things so you you lose val kilmer that yes. he was apparently sort of fired sort of quit um he uh schumacher said that he he struggled working with val kilmer which now net like knowing that and then thinking back on him as batman it's like oh yeah he sure. it was an atrocious performance yeah. and and i'm sure that there's a lot of uh like Steve Thomer just didn't want to do shit and yeah, was like for, um, kind of like what we were talking about with Harrison Ford in the Blade Runner, uh, yeah, yeah, like um, whatever just voiceover not, just shit, not yeah, feeling this, yeah. But so so you replace him with George Clooney, who, you know, kind of exactly like Batman. From the 60s, but not, but I mean, not even like, even there, there was no difference between him as Batman and him as Bruce Wayne. Like, it's literally just a I'm wearing a mask. This
2: is among the worst performances from Kalini I've ever seen. Yeah, truly, truly bad. Um, He, like you said, I, I envisioned him as a billionaire playboy. I think that that's exactly the kind of guy that he plays, and I don't know if he didn't come into his own as an actor until later.
1: Or if he was, he didn't like him. a brother. Where aren't they? Like right out right yeah. after this, you know. I, <laughs> like it's I, like he
2: was so so bad at this.
1: And and it's I have I have to put the blame on Schumacher. Like I have to. I I kind of refuse to believe that I was like Clooney. Like I I don't the best know. that you could get. Y- yeah. Out like Clooney. like like it's it's uh and you know there is I don't
2: think a good performance in this. I think nope. it is every... Uma Thurman, terrible as Poison Ivy. Is bad Schwarzenegger, Schwarzenegger is okay, but is really drowned out by the fact that... They made him talk. They, yeah, they <laughs> made him talk, and the things they made him say are just ridiculous. Um, what's the guy who plays Robin?
1: Uh, Chris O'Donnell.
2: Chris O'Donnell is like a black hole of charisma. Completely <laughs> lacking in any sort of Appealing characteristics. Alicia Silverstone, terrible. The, I don't know. Every single and, and like you said, I, there comes a point when you get that many bad performances that you just have to look at the director and say, "This is on you."
1: Yeah, it's it exactly. It's uh, you know, so so apparently, so so they wanted different people. Um, they wanted like William Baldwin to be uh, weird, to be weird, weird uh, Batman. Choice. Um, didn't get that, so they got George Clooney. It's like they, they wanted Patrick Stewart to be um, Mr. Freeze. He didn't want to do it. They, I, so it wasn't the this version of the dialogue on his part that they got because they rewrote the script for, for Schwarzenegger. Schwarzenegger. So and his like, dialogue is. Like, maybe not the worst part of the movie, but
2: it is so stupid. It's... He... I would say Chill that out! Three quarters <laughs> of
1: his lines are just that. Just one line... It's more than that. Or puns. I, I found a website that had, like, if you... If, if, like, all... The only dialogue was his quotes, and, like, I tried to count, but he just has a lot of lines. He has yeah. too many lines for... Arnold Schwarzenegger in this movie, yeah. but um, so I didn't end up counting. But like, it was like ninety percent. Our our cold puns, oh, like, <laughs> yeah. Um, don't forget to ice the pipes. <laughs> it's all every single thing he says is that. And and then uh, we have you have Bane, which you know we grew up with Christopher Nolan's Bane, yeah. who I think is is i mean great like yeah, i i interesting it's, yeah i think that the dark knight rises is my least favorite of that trilogy but um but bane is a good is a good villain yeah. he's a, he's a solid villain and um and this it's some like scrawny ass like uh I think that that's a little truer to the comic book that he gets powered up with that and and
2: bane but, but, from the uh and that's fine but the animated series looks exactly like that also
1: but it's just it's it's shitty, uh, you and, know. It's I pr- the, like you said. There's like, a reason Nolan changed it. Yes, and
2: he's like, if the Hulk were a Mexican wrestler, <laughs> it was, that's,
1: yeah. that's, it, and, and he's green. He's fucking green, he's literally, just like literally it. Green. It's it's. It, I I made a comment to. We watched it together, fortunately, which I think we should yeah. be doing with the bad movies. Um, but uh, but I made a comment to you that it's it's like that that meme that's like. Can I copy your homework? And like, sure, but don't make it too obvious. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he's he is a he's a yoked out green guy wearing a Mexican wrestler's mask,
2: and he doesn't he he
1: doesn't feature into the plot at all. No, he's literally just like they have like hired goons because they're gangsters, and he just is sort of like the head goon, right? But only for Poison Ivy. It's like yeah. it's like Schwarzenegger. Mister Freeze has like his own. Like henchmen that are like hockey players. The hockey player thing is funny. A lot of people didn't like that. I thought that was funny. And like, that's what I'm talking about. If
2: you like, the opening fight scene is ridiculous. You have George Clooney slides down the brontosaurus's tail at the Museum of History, and then they do this insane ice skating hockey battle where they use this enormous diamond as a puck. I don't know where Batman even got a hockey stick. But you know and, and and like that, I thought was very funny, and like again, over the top and preposterous, but it was good, yeah, and the movie goes way you know.
1: yeah, i that was that was I mean, the beginning of the movie was i I was like, oh sick, we're gonna get another Batman forever, which was bad, but I had a lot of fun and and it was just that first, yeah, it was just that first scene. Um, that was good. Yeah. <laughs> and then, uh, although I think my favorite moment is when Mister Freeze has is like forcing his uh, his henchman to watch uh, the year without a Santa Claus, and like reenacting, like in like trying to get him to sing and dance They're like I'm Mister White Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> that was so fucking funny. Mostly because I I always talk about how it's like one of my favorite uh, Christmas movies. Like yeah. like one of the favorite like, and everybody gives me shit about it because it's like. <laughs> not a good one right, and it's right. not even it's not a classic yeah. by any means but it's like i just love that and i and specifically because of those songs so getting yeah. some representation there exactly felt, i felt yeah. Uh, validated yeah but so uh, there's a number
2: of, we talked about earlier alicia silverstone is bat but they they introduce alicia silverstone as girl who rides a motorcycle and nothing else and then she becomes batwoman i think with 20 minutes left in the movie yeah
1: it was the very end which in 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 the way you find out that she is important of some sort like like she's alfred's she's cousin, alfred's niece? Uh, niece niece but like but like that's like she i guess she's like i'm just going to come stay here and then she like steals motorcycles to like go like race like in like drag racing yeah. like motorcycle competitions <laughs> or whatever and um and so Robin, like, follows her one time and enters, um, yeah. and, uh, and they have this scene where, like, thank God he's a trapeze artist, and, um, <laughs> and he, like, saves her from falling by, like, he's, like, stuck, you know, his legs yeah. are, like, stuck, and he's holding her down, and, and, uh, and, and then it just cuts it's away, just, just so to happen- then, like, back in the garage, yeah. Ooh, yeah. like...
2: No need to worry how we got out of how that we, one. Yeah. Like in in what I because t- they were sabotaged by the
1: other writers who presumably are mad at them. So I you think you have to fight them off or
2: something? Yeah,
1: exactly. Something like it doesn't say. it it doesn't make any sense. And and that would have been a good time to like kill Robin and like have Batgirl like replace him or something. Or like that would have been a good time to be like, oh hey, I'm actually Robin. So like maybe I can teach you how to like fight crime or with son, us or yeah. something. Yeah, like like it's. But no. It, they're just like, okay, that happened, moving on. Yeah. And then there's the whole weird, like, poison ivy, like, vaginal, like, like yeah. flower scene where yeah, she, like... poison like, ivy is wild. Yeah. yeah that, I mean, it was just, it like was just all said, ba- poorly Thurman written. It was not good in that. It was just poorly, I mean, all poorly, poorly written. And, uh... And yeah, yeah, and and then you get Batgirl. Twenty minutes left of the movie. She's like, "I'm Batgirl, and yeah. also know how to fight crime and do everything." The movie ends
2: with this insane, like, they Mister Freeze freezes the whole city, and they have to like divert lasers from a satellite or something. Yeah. And they're like, "You don't know how to do it," and she's like, "I do," and then she just does it. And it's like, okay, <laughs> cool. yeah, I guess it's, you know how to. Control satellites in outer space
1: to shoot a heat laser at the city to unfreeze. Oh, it's bizarre. And and then when fucking George Clooney or Batman is like, "What? What are you gonna call yourself?" And she's like, "Batgirl." And he's like, "Isn't that not PC? Like, like shouldn't <laughs> that it be Bat that Person?" person. <laughs> what a great that
2: was! That was a killer line. You know, we talked about how in Aliens he 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 does like a sort of pronouns gag, and we do the same thing here. This, ahead of its time, a Joe Bat person <laughs> in 1997.
1: Uh, like, it's it's rough. It's so rough. It's uh. This was a. Uh, so 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 when I was trying to find, or do you have anything else to say about Batman and Robin? Not no? about this. Movie. Okay, okay. Um, me me neither. Except I was trying to find positive reviews. Sure. Because I was like, where there has to be one critic that liked it, and um, and and so. Like the, there wasn't, there there wasn't. Yeah. The the highest la- like like so, so I so what I did I did something else, and I went to Amazon. Okay. <laughs> and I was like, there were going to be five star reviews on Amazon. Sure. And so I have pulled a couple of uh, of funny, entertaining <laughs> Amazon reviews. So um, so this guy goes five stars. Josh Mitchell, fun bat flick. I truly enjoy this film. I think it gets a bad rap for being goofy, campy, trash. Visually, it's intriguing, with really sharp set designs and bright, yet gothic appeal. It's not I, gothic, <laughs> but <that's> okay. <laughs> I think George Clooney plays a fantastic Bruce Wayne, and Chris O'Donnell returning as Bat as Robin was a natural choice. It is important that they specify Chris Re- Chris O'Donnell returning because I mean, it's
2: it, it's a natural choice to have
1: the same guy play the character in the next movie. <laughs> but,
2: but it's it, a natural choice to have Mark Hamill play Luke Skywalker in every movie. Yeah, yes,
1: that's how it goes. Don't get caught up in the trend of trash talking this flick. Take it at face value, enjoy it as a footprint in the Batman history, and remember what the 90s were all about. And this is
2: the thing, it's like, that review warrants, like, what, three stars? Why would that be a five-star perfect (laughs) review of, like, hey, look, man, don't think about it.
1: So, So, this is another one of my Mary F providing us with a five-star review of Batman and Robin is a great example of DC Comics and it is so fun to watch that's the title of the of the review she goes I liked the costumes and the acting okay (laughs) the lines were so classic I really liked Poison Ivy in this Batman and Robin caper I have not seen this movie, well she wrote move, but I have not seen this movie for years and it was fun to watch it again. Freeze was very abominable until the very end. I like the evolution of Batgirl and how she became Batgirl. Alicia Silverstone was awesome. She so, becomes Batgirl just by putting on the costume.
2: <laughs> There's nothing else to it. She just finds the Batcave, puts on the costume, and leaves. There's just, she, <laughs> nothing
1: happens. Um, she has to guess the password. Okay. okay. she gross. she Alfred password, which she first guessed it's was one word, Alfred and it's
2: directly next to the computer. <laughs>
1: yeah, <it's> yeah. <laughs> so, and then she finishes the review with, Alicia Silverstone was awesome. So was Uma Thurman, George Clooney, and Robin. So Chris O'Donnell Oh my god. And so... Yeah, I think that that these people um, have really captured the essence of Batman and yeah, Robin.
2: I was gonna say that sounds like the kind of person who would like
1: this movie. <clears throat> oh my gosh So, uh, so on the whole, overall rating? Yeah, for th- on, on the series, not, not Batman and Robin. Sure,
2: sure. I think I think that this is an interesting um th- series to watch in the context of our current sort of Marvel obsession that we find ourselves in. And I think um, that these kinds of movies, like I said, are very different from those. And, and, and the modern superhero movie, uh, I think the big knock on it is that they're a little formulaic, a little samey, and that no individual movie feels, I think, particularly important. And these movies, I will say, no, they're not like that. They are different. They are unique, you know, to, to varying degrees of competence. But they are certainly something that... Um, is very different from what we have in traditional superhero movies today i think if I, I i'm gonna say a six out of ten is what i'd give this franchise overall um basically two good movies two bad movies and uh the bad movies are entertaining in a way that you know at least you can enjoy you know watching them if i was to to rate these like in terms of like Competence, I would, I would probably give it a five, but it does get an extra point that the bad movies are
1: at least entertaining to watch. Well, one of them, Batman and Robin is is <laughs> utter trash. It has its moments. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, you know, I'm, I, I want to agree with you, but I think I'm going to have to make it a little bit lower. I think okay. I'm, I think I'm going to give it a, like a five out of ten. Okay. Um, I really think, like, you know, I could never watch Batman. Again, like '89 Batman, and be fine. Um, you know, it's it is interesting to look at visually, but yeah. like, I mean, I, I'm a story guy. I like story, so so I like Batman Returns. I think Batman Returns is great, um, and I think Batman Forever is hilarious. Yeah. Um, Batman and Batman and Robin, I could do without. I'm not not to say that Batman is on par with Batman and Robin. Batman and Robin is one of the worst movies I've probably ever seen. It's
2: not good. It is is not good.
1: Yeah. um, So I think I'll go a little bit lower. um, But uh, but I but yeah. I mean that's my that's my feelings. So so I I guess that wraps up. You know our our discussion on Batman. Batman, Um, Our next film series that we're going to be doing is Indiana Jones. Um, I've seen Raiders of the Lost Ark. Have you seen any of the? Any I've seen
2: Raiders of the Lost Ark, and that's it.
1: Okay, so so they're all they're all on Netflix right now. Um, if any of you guys want to watch along with us, but uh, we'll be watching Raiders of the Lost Ark, Temple of Doom, Last Crusade, and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, which uh, is the only one that my my partner has seen. So she uh, she said that it's uh, she liked it. So <laughs> so. <laughs> Um so yeah so so I'm I'm excited and uh I'm excited to finish that but I guess you know for now signing s- off signing off yeah thank you for joining us for the third episode of Franchise Film Freaks you know you'll be able to catch us anywhere you listen to podcasts Stitcher Google, Google well actually I don't know if we're on Stitcher We are on Spotify Snapchat, and in Google and and uh Google Premium or Google Play it's Spotify Premium Google Play yeah and Apple all over so, the place, all over the place. So, thank you so much, and have a good, uh, have a good rest of your week. See ya. I want it all. T-Mobile has been building
0: America's largest 5G network for this epic 5G moment. And I want it now. Introducing the new iPhone 12 Pro now at T-Mobile, the leader in 5G coverage. Download, upload, and game at 5G speed in more places. Unleash the power of iPhone 12 Pro with T-Mobile. Capable device required. Coverage not available in some areas. Some uses may require certain planner features. See tmobile.com. T Mobile has been building America's largest 5G network for this epic 5G moment. And I want it now. Introducing the new iPhone 12 Pro. Now at T Mobile, the leader in 5G coverage. Download, upload, and game at 5G speed in more places. Unleash the power of iPhone 12 Pro with T Mobile. Mm-hmm. Capable device required, coverage not available in some areas. Some uses may require certain planner features. See tmobile.com.